Welcome back, Kevin. Welcome to a, an entirely unexpected episode of the Two Guys One Cup podcast. Well, I mean, we expected an episode, just mm-hmm. just a polar opposite episode from the one that we currently have. I am in uh, the lovely. You know what? I've only ever driven through literally one street of this town, and that street is the interstate. But I'm going to call it the lovely Dalton, Georgia, in a hotel room <laughs> halfway home from um jacksonville where we'll spend the next week in st louis i didn't see any of this game yet and as i was just telling you in my head that was fine because we were just going to get our face caved in <laughs> and then we'd come here and we'd do the podcast all about the off-ice stuff or like mostly about the off-ice stuff and just the kind of the game would be secondary mm-hmm. um and now i feel a little like i feel a little torn because I was so prepared to like let this team have it on the cadre situation. And I still think we need to, mm-hmm. um, but now it feels like that's just the wrong vibe to launch into from the beginning. These, you know, these are blues fans listening to this podcast and um, they want the content. You know, they want the spicy current content. I, I think one of the things I'm, I'm proud of, you know, about our podcast is that historically we, we haven't, hesitated to you know talk about touchy subjects difficult subjects and and not that our not that our little podcast means anything but like you know speak truth to power in the sense that power <laughs> power's never gonna hear us but you know in the sense that at least we're saying the right things and i don't want it to be construed i think anyone that goes to our twitter will understand that we are not avoiding that just because it's the blues um right maybe we will touch on it at the end or, you know, in the first post season episode, but um, given the circumstances, I think we have to talk about the game first and what a game it was. I just, I went back and rewatched the highlights of it all. Um, I can't imagine the emotional swing of not only because if we talked extensively, like the personal emotions of just like, I'm over this series both because of the on ice play and the the um cadre stuff like you know we talked about that last time and then then they do you know honestly not to be the negative nancy's although we typically are but like they do exactly what we expect exactly what we expect and Mm -hmm. just don't show up early on um and uh you know mckinnon scores a goal pretty early and then he scores another goal not long after that um the first goal was um 351 into the game so kind of immediately immediately gives a feeling that like yep yep this is how this one's gonna go Peron attempted to chip uh the puck in from the neutral zone but it didn't go nearly far enough it was caught easily by byram it led to a three-on-one entering the zone leckanen dropped to mckinnon he drifted and fired it past huso who looked to me like he was about a mile out of his net who so you know at least in the clips i saw did not look great in this game including on the power play goal that mckinnon scored at eighteen twenty three in the first period where he drove to the net and it was a nice you know nathan mckinnon's very good uh as we'll talk about in a minute here but it was a play that really should not have gone in um and the blues are immediately down two to nothing going into the second period um and if you ian or anything like me it's kind of like eh it's over now. Yeah, I wasn't even watching the first two periods of this game. <laughs> I, I had it on. It was on. It was, and it was in front of me, mm-hmm. but it was on a little laptop sitting in front of me as I played Rocket League with a friend. And <laughs> and that's because they told that friend that I would play tonight, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Honestly, I'm not moving that for the Blues game. I'm Are you all playing? Just, I'm not going to move that for the Blues game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Blues. I've seen this story before. I obviously, I hadn't, but I'd seen the story before. <laughs> Are y'all playing on PS5 or on uh, computer? Uh, I'm playing on PS5. He's playing on his PC, and we're doing crossplay. And actually, I don't even have a mic for uh-huh. the PS5, but the mic and the control just turns on, and he talks to the TV. It's like, oh, that's pretty nice. That's sick. I'm, you and I should play some Rocket League together sometime. That's right. I don't know if I'm at your level. It's been a while. I'm pretty, probably um, pretty rusty. But 
They put me in platinum tonight, and I was like, oh, oh, that's so kind, Rocket League. (laughs) So kind. Um, Yeah, but the Blues were not in platinum in the first period. Um, (laughs) They're in poop bronze, poop bronze. I mean, seriously, the contrast between those two periods and the last 14 minutes of the third period are night, just night and day. And I get that's going to happen when you're desperate, but like it's, they, well, to be they didn't fair, look like they cared. Always happened. Yeah. To be fair, it yeah. has not always happened when the boys are desperate. So well, they've looked desperate in the last entirely. like two minutes of most yeah. elimination games. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, in the second period, Landis Cog widened the gap um four minutes in i'm going to try and talk a little quietly because i am in a hotel but uh, oh by, by the way I, I listened to the first episode of some chickwoods i've listened to in forever um the other day and part of the reason i'm thinking about this is someone bissonette came back after the tnt broadcast to do this so he's recording it at like 1 a.m atlanta time and somebody came and knocked on his door to tell him to quiet down and so it was <laughs> He was whispering the rest of the podcast, but the, fu- but the funniest part was Brian Whitney started doing it too. And like, he had no reason to, cause he was just in his house. So the entire podcast was like a, uh, like an NPR show, <laughs> which is just so anti-spit and chicklets. It was, just, it was hilarious. Um, and then RA and, and Grinelli or whoever were just like full throated, just doing their usual. Well, yeah. <laughs> I believe that hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was just funny because at one point, Wood even called himself on it and was like, I don't know why I'm whispering. I don't need to whisper, but then he kept doing it anyway. <laughs> uh, that that episode featured an interview with St. Louis's own uh, friend of the podcast, follower, unbelievably, of the podcast, Tim Peel. Um, and oh, it was quite funny. fun. He had some good stories from the uh, his NHL days, including one time Rafi Torres tried to kill him in a bar. So, you know, <laughs> go check also it out. Also sounds right. Yeah, that's right. He uh, was the uh, referee who called the 40 game what became. He obviously didn't call the suspension, but called the penalty that became the um, 40 game suspension for Rafi Torres. So, oh. fun little footnote of history, which led to the incident in the bar. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Landis Cog scored on a, a tip in from Taze. He has won the face off and trickled back to Taze. He shot up from the point, tip in Landis Cog, three to nothing. Blue, uh, Colorado halfway through this game and you figure there's no way there's no road back for the Blues but the road back was um, persistence Robert Thomas coming alive and just a little bit of piss poor goaltending from Darcy Kemper <laughs> just just a dash you know just how you like garnish with paprika paprika mm-hmm. doesn't make the dish but it adds a little it, something it does help <laughs> yeah there's <laughs> undertones that's what Darcy Kemper did. Uh, Tarasenko's goal was was not a Darcy Kemper thing necessarily. Uh, Shin with a hard forecheck stole the puck uh, near the blue line, uh, keeping it in the as zone. Uh, there was some passing around the zone, and a rebound kind of died in the slot. Tarasenko found it and roofed it. It was a, a very gritty goal, and especially when you're down 3-1. And, and like you said, this is the kind of effort the Blues would usually find in like the final five minutes when they're down 3-1. to one or three to nothing. So when they find it, um, you know, with 25 minutes left, it feels like a real improvement. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the Thomas goal at nine fifty-seven in the third just feels like the perfectly timed goal for maximum heartache. Cause on the one hand, you can't just be like, well, they've got no chance because it's a one goal game. Anything can happen, you know, but mm. on the other chance, other hand, it's not at that point where it like feels inevitable like if it's not necessarily inevitable blues win because we'd never think that but if if we'd like gone into the third with it three to two we would have assumed at least that another event would happen like even mm-hmm. even if it was the avs scoring before the empty netter like something else was going to happen in that game and mm-hmm. whereas with with 1003 left it's just little enough time that you could see the avs just kind of icing it away you know um Mm -hmm. but all credit to thomas here uh it was uh actually buchnevich really who made the play he sped into the zone handled through the neutral zone um and through several abs defensemen and uh you know found thomas with a backhand 
pass um, and it was a gorgeous pass and play and Thomas uh, one timed it past Kemper for the goal. Um, you know, it was a nice shot for Thomas and, and <laughs> credit to him, credit to Craig Bruby, uh, who I mocked last time for saying Thomas needed to get to the hard areas to score goals. Both of these goals came within like three feet of the net. So <laughs> good for, good for Robert, good for Craig for knowing more than I do, but, Locked in. um, so that made it three to two and, you know, Buchnevich, we've given him a lot of crap for being a ghost. He's going to finish this game um, with 10 assists. So, you know, that plus the goal from the last game, he's got more than a point per game. You'd still like to see him have more than one goal. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he has looked especially game-changing, but he's he's been there. He's making some impact. He's not a total ghost. Um uh, where were we? Fox, Fox scores 15 14. So, just under five minutes left. Um, Torpchenko gets the second assist, Letty with his fourth assist of the um, playoffs and third assist of the night. He took a shot from the point. This was a really crazy play. He took a shot from the point that Eric Johnson blocked, but it trickled back to Falk. Falk took a shot from the point that Eric Johnson blocked, <laughs> uh, but it went towards the corner. Falk then bounced it back towards the slot. I think it bounced because Eric Johnson got a piece of it. Torpchenko took it and wound up for the big slap shot, but back got poked dead by Kale McCarr, but it kind of dead and flew died and fluttered into the slot where Falk had now by that point circled back around to and he knocked it in um this is one of two goals um the Thomas one we're about to talk about being the other um and really I guess you could talk about the Tarasenko one too where there's just a puck like in Darcy Kemper's slot and a blues Mm -hmm. player gets it before either Kemper himself or any of his defensemen yeah, I noticed it a lot on these goals. Like, it's definitely outworking them into the slot. Yeah. This goal in particular felt like this felt like a goal the minute Torpchenko wound up to the shot. Like, whether or not mm-hmm. he scored, I could see um, Falk in close, and I could see at least one other Blues player in close, outnumbering the abs, like right at the net where I was like, oh man, Torpchenko's at a clean shot. He scores this as long as it doesn't go like super wide. He either scores this or it's going to be like a complete scrum in front of the net. Like mm-hmm. I don't know why sometimes you just you know you can you can just feel that a goal is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And right sure. when he wound up, I was like, this has this has to be something. I know this is going to be something. Um, and <laughs> this was this is too much. The time yeah. of the game was too much. I think when they so- were. Down, when they were down by a goal, I was like, wow, this is like you said, we've seen this story. This is fitting the narrative. I've got it. They're gonna, Like you said, they're going to lose 3-2. They're going to lose 4-2 on an empty net or something. But when they tied it, I was like, oh, no, no, we can't go down this road now. My heart can't do this. <laughs> So yeah, we're so I guess I guess you just answered the question I was going to ask, which like where is your mind at? Because I'm driving, and I'm just kind of bemused at this point, you know, because I'm like, I'm probably this probably happened that was half an hour, forty five minutes from the hotel room, so I'm like, I'm 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 not even probably going to get back. Like even if it went to overtime, it, like if it had gone longer in overtime, I would have gotten here. But like, you know, I didn't wasn't here in time to see Bozak, and so like part of the part of the calculation of me driving tonight at all was like i don't care what happens in this game because i was <laughs> so disappointed in the in the in the cadre stuff and then i i also just assumed we were going to get truck sticked on the ice you know <laughs> so like it was a real lose-lose situation um, right. and then for them to actually equalize it late are you thinking, okay, they're going to find a way to get a fourth goal and win this? Or are you thinking we're still going to blow this? I, Cause I would, I had, having not seen it unfold, I was still on the, Oh, okay. They're still going to blow this train. Actually. No, you know what happened? I didn't even know that the tying goal had happened before I looked down and the McKinnon goal had happened. So I wasn't even anywhere because <laughs> I got your text. It was like, I can't believe that happened or, or just an F-bomb or something. And, and um, I was, I looked at the score and I was like, that, what, wait, what? You know? So. I mean, it was so, pretty quick between these two, right? I mean, yeah, it's like a two minute two difference. Minutes, yeah. um, I mean, thinking win or loss after we tie it. Uh. I'm still thinking be, loss. I'm still thinking honest. loss. This is a safe space. Well, 
Nathan McKinnon was also thinking loss. And <laughs> had this been the deciding goal of the series, you almost can't be mad about it. It's just like a superlative player doing superlative things, you know? Right. Thank you, Blues, for not letting this be the game-winning goal. <laughs> like, it's true. the perfect game-winning goal. Yeah. But I was staring at this, and I was like, I was watching this with my wife, which sounds like I'm a 60-year-old man because I don't uh, say that out loud a lot. Um, <laughs> but I was watching with my wife, and she was like, when Nathan McKinnon scored, she's like, did you see what he just did? Did you see that? And I was like, yeah, I did. I did, I did. And she was like, he, he skated like way faster than any of the blues players again. he certainly did and she's like he like no one stopped him and i was like yeah yeah and i was like i'm having to just like relive the pain with every i mean it, it's true it's I true could see that whole combo. Like, it's someone discovering nathan mckinnon <laughs> ian, for the first time <laughs> ian's wife is is very sweet and very nice and like likes hockey or at least yeah. like pays attention to it like you know at least and at, at the very least in the kind of like this is something my husband likes, so I will give it my best shot to like it sort of sense, you know, mm-hmm. but like I can see that whole conversation unfolding and her not realizing that she's doing a nice and heart. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he was the first overall pick and he was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fast. I was almost like on his side eventually. I'm like, what did you want the blues to do, huh? Yeah. What did you want them to do? <laughs> what did you they do? couldn't have done anything. There's nothing. Um, <laughs> to be fair, there really was nothing that they could have done. I mean, just... There were a lot of Blues fans on Twitter kind of jumping in, like, with the little sort of like, well, you know, you need your third forward to kind of cut them on. And, and you know, Letty kind of gets, you know, turned around a bit here. And Huso's not really on his mark. And I'm like, yes, all of these things are true. But sometimes someone is just like, a very good player. <laughs> and yeah, you it's can also just, like, do you... you can only do so much. Do you think Crusoe's maybe not as on his mark because the guy with the puck was behind the other net 1.6 seconds ago? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't want to give Crusoe or Letty like a total pass, but like, again, it's like a thoroughbred just, horse, like it's bearing game breaking speed and skill that only two or three players in the league have, which as an aside, um, you know, I'm, I, I think we'll both probably say this after the after we talk about the game. It's still a very uphill battle. You would still assume mm-hmm. the Avalanche advance and and meet what looks to be the Edmonton Oilers in the third round. Um, and I think a lot of people are thinking, well, this is just the year that Connor McDavid just Connor McDavid's and takes the whole cup. You know, mm-hmm. and and. God, I mean, he's doing unbelievable things. But I was thinking about it tonight, and I'm like, the the um, Oilers team has not played one player anywhere near as good as McKinnon or McCarr. Mm-hmm. And like those guys, you know, <sighs> Kemper hasn't looked good, but I'm taking Kemper over. Um, Mike Smith entering a series any day. Over, over 163. <laughs> Mike Smith. <laughs> Jordan was texting me as correspondent Jordan about um, how, you know, he, he felt like Kemper wasn't a, wasn't going to steal you any games and, and uh, you know, the Avs couldn't win the cup with a goalie like that. And I'm like, well, the good news is you're heading face for a face-to-face collision with Mike Smith. And he said, yeah, but I think Mike Smith I think that's the difference. I think Mike Smith is that difference maker. So I just sent him a tw- the tweet of the goal with all of that a gif of uh, Tim Robinson going, you sure about that? <laughs> and he was that like, that's why. Fair point. <laughs> you sure about that's not why? <laughs> Uh, I want to do that after the season when the Oilers have gotten bounced from the playoffs and just do it all from Mike Smith's perspective. I want. I need them to. I need they them got, to not be resigned so they can be like, yeah. I like go. I got like for something extremely <laughs> embarrassing. embarrassing. Except he has another year, and don't forget. Ah, uh, uh, but I just want. You. I want to be like. They claim they got bounced from the playoffs because they met a better team. You sure about that? You sure about that? That's why? 
You sure it's not because you hired a 38-year-old goaltender that can't save a puck to guard your crease? You sure about that's not why? Um, anyway, <laughs> um, we had to have a Mike Smith interlude in here somewhere. Um, after that goal, Nathan McKinnon has to believe he's won the series, right? Like straight up, mm-hmm. just took the series, just took it. Just, this is mine now. I, I take this. I claim it. I was trying um, to put myself in the in the shoes of like a fan where I was like, man, did you see that? This is fucking sick. This is over, baby. Like that's, you might as well have scored like, can you imagine losing that game? If you were an as fan, I know it's not, obviously there's a game six and, and, and possibly game seven or whatever, but like my brain just kept thinking like, that's pretty sad. What if that was, what if that was elimination game sad? I'd be like, I just go walk yeah. in oncoming traffic. I'm like, well, right. hockey's not for me anymore. I feel like he took that like you'd take a starter Pokemon. You know, you just plucked it. Yep. And, it's mm. now. and let's be honest, Nathan McKinnon, a big chimchar guy, because he chooses the most basic, boring shit, the mm. most obvious decision he That's makes. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was almost definitely certainly over. But Robert Thomas had something to say about that. And what he said was, I'm not crazy. I'm just a little, um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but y'all are hearing those banjos in your head right now. So, you know, I got, I got that accomplished. Um, 19.04, just 56 seconds left. The Blues had the five, six on five. Huso has been pulled. Um, Thomas scores his second of the night, second of the playoffs from Tarasenko his third assist and Bruchnevich's 10th. Uh, it was a six on five. They were passing around the zone. Tarasenko took the shot high from the extreme angle. Kemper was in a reverse VH, but it was a little awkward and he couldn't deaden the puck. And then on second watching, I realized that's because it went right off his mask. Um, and then Thomas, like I mentioned earlier, was right in the hard area that Baruby talked about last time and was able to knock it home. Um, you know, if not else, it's it's really nice to have Thomas get a confidence booster, even if we lose the next game. You know, at least he's not coming out of the playoffs like a frigging ghost who didn't have an impact. Yeah. Um, so that's a real big positive. We tie the game. Now, I asked you the same, same question earlier. Going into overtime, are you still thinking loss? Or are you thinking we find a way? I guess at that point, I, I believe a little bit more. I think it's 50-50. I don't think I'm totally confident the Blues are going to win it. I don't think I'm totally confident that, like, the Avs can just because we've we've pushed so hard. I mean, I really do think you score that McKinnon goal and you're like, game over. Feels like we just scored 10 goals. It's a hat trick. They're all The hats are all on the ice. You know, mm-hmm. we did it. And to have that sort of taken away from you or nullified, in the in the waning minutes has to be has to be a gut punch like i mean i guess you want to have that reset that little bit of reset before ot that you get um in the playoffs but i think there was like a tweet from tony x i think is i I don't know if this is completely it but it's a very interesting point like nathan mckinnon gets a hat trick the the crowds going wild crowd throws all the hats on the ice and then they gotta wait then you gotta clean up all the hats you gotta sit there and you wonder if, like, as crazy as the crowd's going, as much energy as there is in the building, if being stagnant for a bit as an avalanche player is not good for you at this moment. You want to keep going. You want to run through a wall because it's 4-3. Let's end this. And you're standing there. You're over by the bench. You're just kind of mulling about. And that's given, I don't know, you're basically like icing the kicker, right? You're like, mm-hmm. the game, you can't play right now. You just got to sit there and wait. And that kind of kills your momentum as a player. Maybe that's reading too much into it. I'm, I'm no, not I saying that's really interesting. Yeah. Like that's to, like a built in timeout that your other, that, that your opponent doesn't have to take, you know? Right. Right. And so it's just, it's very interesting, but that could have been some of what led to that, that tying goal. But yeah, going to OT, I don't know. It was a coin flip for me because I was like, the abs are the abs. And that's the story is the story I thought was they win this game. So that's mm-hmm. what fits the narrative, but also if the blues are this resilient at the end of the game, that's, we don't see the blues go to OT in elimination games. They go to them in game seven, which I guess is an mm-hmm. elimination game for, for both teams, but 
I can't remember the last time they went to OT in a game where the consequence was they would be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a long time. And to be able to go in there and do what they did is impressive. Yeah. Oh, Chief gave a big speech, huh? Yeah, I see him there. I, don't, I haven't yeah. seen the, the audio, but he, he looks pretty pumped. I think the guy did a, did a bump. <laughs> he said, fuck him right, boy, Bozy, baby. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes about these guys. These guys have like nine words <laughs> that they know sometimes whenever they're like rallying. Ah, oh, boys, you did great. Boys, PK, PK was good. Never it was good. <laughs> no practice tomorrow. Let's get them. And then fucking right. I've never heard the word fucking so much. And Tyler Bozak, let's get to it. Let's get to Tyler Bozak because um, there was a huge consequential block 220 into the overtime. Bortuzzo probably saves the worst season when Landis Cog gets a shot lined up and who says completely out of position. Um, Bortuzzo blocked it uh, with, I think it's stick actually, if I was watching co- mm. correctly. Um, but gets it out of the zone and, and just over a minute later, um, the unlikeliest, I would say, I would say literally the unlikeliest, um, maybe Marco Scandella, maybe a little more unlikely, maybe Robert Fortuzzo himself, but one of the unlikeliest uh, overtime heroes, Tyler Bozak, with what I think was a brilliant veteran play when you watch this back. Um, Luddy had the keep in of, of the year, um, not allowing the puck to clear the Colorado zone. He's very good at that for, you know, a guy that I complained a lot about trading for. Um, <laughs> and uh, you, you, you wrote these notes. So you want to talk about the rest of it? Yeah. I'm yeah. Trying to, um, I'm trying to I, read your words. <laughs> oh, yeah. That keeping was the keeping of the year. It was, it was spectacular. That goes out. This is, I mean, I think it's like a pretty clear break the other way, actually. I don't know who it was that was pressuring Luddy, but um, yeah, so Luddy has the puck at this point. He tries to put it on net or at least put it to the corner, um, you know, get it in deep, but Nachushkin swats the puck out of the air, uh, goes the loose puck goes to Bozak, growls it, skates in the high slot, and what's a wrist around net, beats Kemper over the pad and under the glove. The game winner, and yeah, it's like you're saying, it is a veteran move to recognize that there's a bit of a screen in front of Kemper, it's not like a lot of bodies in terms of like deflection options or anything, but he, his eyes are taken away for at least a second. So see what you can do. And I mean, it's a really, it's a seeing eye shot. I don't think it hits anything going in. Um, it was a great play and on its unexpected hero. Uh, it's honestly when they scored and they were like, Bozak, I was like, He's retired. <laughs> so you, you're thinking somebody else. I think you're thinking about somebody else. Uh, it's randomly, I randomly thought of this. Sorry, because I was thinking, like, he's retired. He's 21. He's retired. I saw someone wearing a blue shirt the other day at Aldi, and it was a Shattenkirk jersey. And I was like, oh, okay. It was a Shattenkirk 12 jersey. And I was like, so you, this is old. And you bought this like for the five minutes where he was number 12. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, this is my guy. I'm, I'm into this. That's I looked a little wild. small on this guy. And I was like, this dude like knows. And he's like, yeah, I want this thing. I got to post a uh, meme, a meme in notes uh, right under the Bozekle hmm. because it did make me chuckle. Um, it says uh, who would win and it's got a, a bench photo of the blues and it says four hockey players in an entire rink of distance or one speedy boy <laughs> Nathan McKinnon uh, well technically we still won jackass so you know um, no I thought this was a, a really veteran play from Bozak you see him wind up for the for the slap shot and you're kind of thinking Bro, what you doing? <laughs> you're Tyler, you're Tyler Bozak. Man, you Tyler Bozak. <laughs> but um, when you look at the replay, you can really see that from where he is and only from where he is, Kemper's pretty heavily screened. Um, and I think he's just, you know, plus you consider how all the other goals were scored. Maybe even, you know, even if Kemper saves the first shot, it could bounce and trickle down to somebody who can knock it in. And I think, I think Tyler's just doing the old, 
Canucks on net logic, you know, and, and it went in and it's going back to St. Louis, baby. I have no idea what happens the rest of the series. I have some idea. I think the boys still lose. <laughs> I feel really good about, you know, I, they showed some fight. It definitely like, you know, again, I, I don't want to keep talking about this and not talking about it, but like it definitely, I definitely expected like with the off ice stuff, and what I expected to just get trounced in tonight's game, I definitely thought this was going to be like the sourest transition to the offseason ever, you know, mm. where I was just going to be like, I don't even want to think about hockey for like a month, you know. And I think with this win, it at least like I would still like the the Congress stuff to be addressed in a better way. And we will talk about that at some point, but like at least you know the on ice stuff is is kind of secondary to that in a sense but like Hmm. at least it's not both i guess (laughs) you know like yeah i mean as much as it's like a problem and we've we've talked about on twitter and everything it's as a fan it's nice that this game happened and there's a little bit of distance between that you know like Mm -hmm. it was really gonna suck that the season was gonna end on us you know, losing our shit over Kadri, you know, on the ice, like players like going after him and whatnot and playing real stupid. And then everything that happened with him off the ice and then to just end that way, it was like, it really did feel like, well, the blues are kind of like the blues as a whole, the not, you know, the Royal blues, us, the organization (laughs) are kind of just like the villains and we got to, and we're just going to lose right now. And I guess we're just going to get swept away. And like, it's great. Like fun. Like it just, it soured it even more than if it was just, you lose because your team sucks on the ice. I've seen that before. I've seen that most of my life. So that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's the same old, same old baby. Uh, But yeah, to have some distance to be able to like put this effort in, be able to play a game six, even regardless of what the outcome is, um, just feels better because it kind of returns you a little bit more to hockey, like in mm-hmm. terms of like how you might feel individually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as like a as a fan base or as like an organization and stuff, it is something where it's they they did a little better today with some comments um, denouncing some of the the threats and racism and stuff. But it is one of those things where it's like, man, just gotta be just gotta be active with that stuff i think i think that's how that's just how it's got to work um we can touch on it more at another time too but yeah it's i'm just glad we didn't have to go out on like the sourest note imaginable <laughs> that mm-hmm. we could at least kind of go out on hockey more hockey terms if you will yeah exactly um four assist night from nick Weddy, very impressive you want to talk through some of these quotes and, and post-game notes since you put them there? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, first, um, Blues actually did really good in the face-off that, 52% tonight, which is is quite good against uh, Avalanche team. Um, had a bunch of 22 blocks, just kind of nuts. But, yeah, the Blues had 48% of the Corsi 4 through three periods and overtime at 5-on-5. So that's actually – I think that's, that's a victory against – the Colorado Avalanche getting even close to 50% is like a complete victory because their bread and butter is just having puck possession. Um, eight to nine in the high danger chances. Again, I think, um, I think Huso actually had some really good saves in this game. I don't think there was really a goal that I saw that I was like, Oh, I don't know about that one. Like the, he could have made, could he have made some of those saves or ever sure, but I don't think he'd like cost the team the game or anything. And then he also, on the flip side, made some really, really amazing saves. There was definitely one where it was a two-on-one, and I was like, here we go. Like, here's the next one. It was like either going to be the second or third goal. I'm like, yeah, this is it. And he just completely slid across and stopped. Oh, Oh, damn, who's like, you got to do that. Just let (laughs) let the boys die. It's okay, baby. Let Um, the boys walk. I hope this kind of gives them a little bit of confidence. I mean, He's a relatively confident goalie, but this is his first NHL playoff stint. And so maybe having a game like this, um, this is his first win. So that should that should help a little bit. But yeah, overall, you know, stats seem pretty even. But yeah, 
Rutherford said uh, he was just making an observation that from the middle of the third period until overtime ended, the Blues scored four goals in under 14 minutes. They went quite a bit of a run there, as we all know. And then um, there's another thing I want to mention because Korak mentioned it. He said when he looked at the St. Louis Blues, when it looked like the St. Louis Blues were, just weren't competing in this game, one that was and stood out was Toropchenko to him. He said how fitting he played a role in Fox. Goal. The kid was kid has solidified his place in the NHL moving forward. His AHL days, barring something drastic, are done. And I I have to agree with that. I mean, you see that here in North oh, that's like, a that's a Korak quote. I thought that was a, a Baruby quote. Not that I disagree with it, but I was like, God damn, that I is know. endorsement. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Baruby feels pretty close because uh, like yeah, looked really, really good. He had a he had a another he kind of likes doing the Tarasenko move of like cutting in, dropping his shoulder, and really trying to drive to the net wide. Um, he had another one of those today, and I think that would have been if he would have scored there, it would have been tied three three. And I remember thinking too, I was like, oh shit, is this going to be it? Because I think the announcer on uh, ESPN or TNT he was like pumped when he saw that. He was like Tarasenko driving to the net, and I was like, oh shit, here we go. Um, I do I th- think he's like. Um... He's he's like almost what you wish Zach Sanford would have been like, or like um like what Sunquist was at his best. I don't think he's ever going to have the scoring upside of either of those guys, but just in terms of like constant, constant work ethic and mm-hmm. contributions, you know, just just pure grit and determination, and not like not grit like Ryan Reeves grit, like actually punching people and knocking them out necessarily, but just like just a, a rotten bastard to play against at all times. And like, that's irreplaceable. That's, that's mm-hmm. value and, and it's affordable value. So you can keep them on your bottom six for, for a decade, you know, if you want to, like. He's, just, he's six foot four every time he hits the ice. Every time every he time. steps <laughs> on the ice, every single time. But for real though, when you talk about Sanford or even like a guy like um, Logan Brown or, you know, these guys are, are pretty big guys and they yeah. use their size to protect the puck a little bit, but they don't necessarily use it physically. And it's like, here's a six foot four dude that has some, has a little bit of skill, has some tenacity. And is like, you is like, I'm six, four and here I'm, <laughs> I'm like, that just, it helps. Cause I mean, there's been times where blues announcers have talked about Pareko where he like skates into the offensive zone, like full speed. And it's like, Dudes that are like deers in the headlights is like this massive dude is like flying at me. Yeah, like what, you're, literally, what am I supposed to Your do monkey right brain now? is <laughs> for a split second has to be like, nope, like trying to get out of the way. <laughs> oh. Not today. No, thank oh, you. Oh, oh, oh. just oh. gonna escape, escape right out of your way. Some killers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I thought Torching had a really good game. I thought Fox had a really good game. Fox, Fox quite the gamer. I gotta say, I maybe I maybe I'm a little blind to some of his, his rough spots, but like I just fall down in this game and stuff. And I'm like, that's okay. He's still our best. <laughs> I saw him like blow a tire and some dude's skating okay. by. That's him, okay, like, buddy. You're still a good doctor. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, you know what? I still believe in you, buddy. It's all right. Um, man. I, and I mean, then Thomas, Bushnevich, Tarasenko, I, they were reunited as a line today too. And Thomas with two goals tonight, Bushnevich with two assists, Tarasenko comes alive with a goal. I, this is this is the scoring depth you needed. Um, this is this is a big deal, especially when you don't have Ron scoring or Riley scoring tonight. Your or normal goal scorers uh, this series, it's it's huge. And I thought in general we played relatively decent defensively with only six defenders, mind you. We didn't do the eleven-seven. Crazy. Um, it was it was. An impressive comeback for two periods of them looking kind of shitty. Uh, they, they put together a really good 23 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Together, stupendous 23 minutes. Um, yeah, Tom Rosak says, obviously feels great. Just a resilient group of guys. Got down and didn't want the season to be over. Robert Thomas on stepping up for the first time in the series. Says, better late than never, I guess. <laughs> but I was, in the, I was on the receiving end. With some nice plays by Abushi and Vladdy. They deserve all the credit. Thomas also talking about when they were down 3-0 and the season's on the line. He said, you've got nothing to lose, so you might as well throw it all out there. I think that was our mentality. It seemed to work to me. 
it's like cool i don't know the scene we're tonight makes me think like so no plan i'm just gonna next day mm-hmm. just like yeah again you know just try it again <laughs> we'll just play that the same way we played this one no ryan ryan robert um baruby just said um we talked get one goal get back into it it's just a gutsy win guys battled and kept battling that's really what it boils down to we didn't get off to the start that we wanted being down quick but the second half of the second period we started to come with our game and then on responding to the mckinnon hattrick goal ruby said yeah it was tough we battled back and then we give up that goal like that it could be really deflating but our team has got a lot of guts and they're a resilient bunch of guys i thought they were positive yeah they were probably positive they're going home <laughs> hey get burned um i'm just doom scrolling uh down Precision's timeline, it's quite enjoyable. Um, (laughs) He goes, holy fuck, McKinnon just did that. Wow, that was disgusting. And then he goes, "Uh, that was one of the nicest goals I've ever seen, goddamn. And then he retweeted the picture video of it. And then he tweeted, McDavid versus McKinnon with a gift from Jizzed in My Pants. And then the just subtly under that uh in the thread this tweet may have been dot 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 premature (laughs) (laughs) and then he tweeted his own prediction uh 95 odds and then he said blues and seven just to spite me and i said and i think yes um i don't think that actually but god that would be delicious um it's such a game changer like i i really don't think I really, I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy. I just don't like it's so, it seems so possible that any team, let alone the Blues, could take two more games in a row from this, this Avalanche team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of an, it's kind of that thing of like, you know, at least from an on ice perspective, I think they put the Cadre stuff behind them. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's like you just got to go. And if, if you win game six, as much as it still seems like, yeah, I still think, I still think the Avs win game seven. Like, I can't even pretend that there's any sort of like, I think you just go into game seven and it's just best team wins. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, if they force a game seven at this point, it's not like, well, the odds are against them or, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, maybe they are, but I think it's just, if you get there, then what anything can happen, you know? Right. Um, I mean, that's really what it is, right? Like when you're down 3 1, it's annoying, but it's true. And they're like, you know, just got to take it game by game. I'm like, dude, you have three fucking games if you want to win. Yeah. And it just seems impossible. When you take just one, I think when you look, yeah, when you look at it like they got to win two more, that feels still big. But when you look at it like if they, they just have to, if they win game six, then it's, then it's just, a coin flip like you said yeah. it is probably that the abs are at home the abs are generally the better team they've like top two team in the league this year but it's like if they can win game six then it's that it's it's boston game seven or or dallas game seven where you're just like i mean you're scared shitless but you're like yeah i mean i don't at this point it's whatever man at this point it's whatever um which is really weird, but I definitely remember feeling that in Game Seven against Boston. I was just like, I don't know, just do it or do it or don't. I mean, it's at least we're here. At least we can. At least this could be over one way or the other. Um, I don't know. I I shouldn't have any confidence. I'm, it'll all go away for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna I am you tomorrow, and I'll be like Stephen. I was so fucking wrong. One day, yeah. Time. But I oh, have I have. I have confidence they can win game six. I don't know about a game seven. Game seven is just like, I would. I don't think I'm ever going to be like, yeah, they'll win game seven. No well, sure, for sure. Like, but, it's, it's, a, it's that weird thing of like, I, I will believe more that they can win game seven if they win game six. Right. But like, weirdly, I won't once it's happened. Like right now I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't think that, I think probably Colorado wins game six and just 
ices it away. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking in my head, it's like, but if they win game six, then who knows? Then they've got the momentum and it's mm-hmm. anybody's game. But if we win game six, I'll be sitting here on the podcast with you thinking there's no way. I mean, there's no <laughs> game seven. Um, yeah. but at, least, know, man, at least they've made it entertaining. I have to say, like, it was going to be five games. That was like, that's the way it is. The abs are very good, but I was going to be like, eh. This wasn't even really fun, but yeah. I'm like, okay, you made it fun, you made it interesting. As Can long you... as you don't shit down your leg in Game Six, and we know, <laughs> know that's a possibility. As long as you don't yeah. do that, I can come out of this postseason and be like, okay. I can first of all shout out to Kevin Papetti and the uh, um, Toronto media. He retweeted a score of uh, an article by the Score from 2015. That's titled "The Connor McDavid Compares His Game to Tyler Bozak's in a Self-Evaluation." Yep, and Kevin Fafetti retweeted it and said, "I see it now." <laughs> uh, which I love the uh, I love the pettiness and amazingness of that. Um, Ooh, yeah, I like, let me ask. Oh, sorry, I like this. this. Is from Peter. Baugh, is it Bow Bow or ba, whatever? Um, Baugh, I think, but I'm not ba. sure. He's a Mizzou grand. Did you know that? Um, no, because he's been front running the AMS all season. But he I said think one, he's an reporter, so. Yeah, I think he's a athletic guy. He said one thing that would concern me if I were, were the Avs. Robert Thomas looks like he found a group tonight. When he's right, he's hard to contain. That's right. Would you say he's so smooth? Oh, yeah. I'd um, say he's elite. Ian, let me ask you another question. How fucked up is it that if we win this series, we're only halfway? I know that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. It feels like a lifetime, and you're like, yeah, you're halfway there. You're like, for real. Imagine, imagine winning this series. At the start of this series, we were like, I'm not trying to cut you off, but like at the start of the series, we were like, oh, if they beat the ass, maybe they can beat anybody. And now Mm -hmm. I'm like, they beat the ass and then they got to beat Edmonton and Tampa. That's impossible. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, imagine you beat, like, it's literally the the best visual, best skill escalation I can think of. It's terrible for, like, a Blues team. But, yeah, if they beat the abs, like, they can beat anybody. Okay, we'll have Connor McDavid. And you're like, fuck, are you serious? And then they're like, we beat Connor McDavid. And you're like, okay, here's the two diamonds defending Stanley Cup Honestly, it feels like we beat them. Like, oh, okay. Well, your next opponent, there's a new fifth round. It's <laughs> Satan. <laughs> yeah, it's like the end of Cuphead. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can you beat Satan, Blues team? Here comes Bobby Orr skating down the wing. And oh, he actually has wings now. <laughs> They're black and feathered like the wings of hell, but he's there. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> part of me, like, I, I want the Blues to win the cup every year, but there is a part of me that that's like, oh, mercy, kill me now, baby. This is the high. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the, like, short-term hit of drugs that I needed to be like, okay, okay, my palate's cleansed about this team just a little bit. Um, I feel just a little bit better, and now I can take what comes. But if they if they somehow win this series, it's just going to be fetal position from here on out. It's going to be right. pure on pain. I feel like if this team because I won, could see us, I could see us being like weirdly shutting down Connor McDavid. Oh yeah, it's but then like I could, but but then I could also see him just running train on us and getting like. 16 points in a in a five game series you ever you ever see people talk about that too like it's easy in the regular season i feel like but they'll be like it's just kind of Andreso when they play them on the same line if you shut down that line you're good to go i'm like oh yeah did you tell la that did you tell calgary that? you think calgary didn't fucking try that too <laughs> you just shut down Connor mcdavid then what what what's even your problem yeah just hit the switch i I, all I can think is somehow and this, it's just going down the rabbit hole. If the Blues won the Cup, unless there was like Robert Thomas had the goal in every game and it was some weird story where you're like, well, we can't ignore that. I feel like it'd be winning by committee and then it would be just like the last time where like, it's a great story and the Blues win. 
but there's not really a star. And so then they're, they more have to focus on like, so what's fucking wrong with Connor McDavid? And they're like, so what's, so the, so the lightning just like got real, lightning were very tired. And it's You're like, so yeah, right. they just feel like, so I guess everyone's just not good. The blues persisted. The 32 thoughts after the season would just be like the end of the Tampa Bay era. That's right. Like, what the game? <laughs> I'll still never get over the fact that they did like all these podcasts running through the postseason when the Blues were on the cup run. And then the, the next episode after the cup win, I don't know if they just like were on vacation immediately or something. It was just mm-hmm. a stitched together audio, like 30 minutes of radio and TV audio put together in chronological order of like kind of like big things that happened through the season and postseason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And then the next episode is like, man, the off season, we got to jump in the off season. Like, you're not going to talk a little bit about the team that just won the fucking <laughs> cup. Are you serious? For the Elliot first time in their Friedman franchise history, hates, hates the St. Louis. Doug Armstrong, yes. Yeah, he, <laughs> not a fan. He's, he's extremely professional and he hides it very well. But I really genuinely believe there's something between him and Doug Armstrong, mm-hmm. where it's like not like I, you know, I don't think he probably hates the team, but he's just kind of like, oh, they're off my radar. It's like, oh, yeah, I do kind of think that because he'll be like, I feel like his sources have to be like what he's hearing about the Blues from other teams. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Sharks GM and I can tell you Doug Armstrong. A dentist, if you will. Yeah, but uh that it can never be anything from the blues. Yeah, no, Doug Armstrong hates Elliot Friedman. And he's kind of hinted at that in the past. Yeah, what did he, he, what did he say this year? He said Doug something Armstrong about, even like, went on um, Asian Provocateur just to try and give the upstart SDPN, uh, you know, some bump. viewership. Bump over 32 bucks. He just, yeah. he like, anytime Armstrong gets mentioned, he'll do some evasive thing. Like, well, you know, not every GM um, is is very uh, open to the media, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, oh, Doug Armstrong, he's like a steel trap. He does not like rumors getting out. That's like, no, no GM likes rumors getting out. But you say, you know, you say it a lot about him in particular. <laughs> He does seem um, to have like some really deep connections, Elliot, that is with like certain teams and not with others. Cause yeah, when he talks yeah. over blues, he talks very much about like the players a lot. And he'll be like, Oh yeah, Bushnevich uh, having a great season. Like things that I don't want to say are like obvious, but things where it's like, I don't know, something you and I might even talk about, or just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. focusing on some, but it's never like the background stuff. Right. Yeah, which is a lot of like Canada connections. There's another team, I swear. There's one other one that hit me the other day where I was like, man, he doesn't really like, I don't remember who it was. It was like Carolina or somebody. I was like, he doesn't really like have a lot of like deep hits on some of these teams, but like other ones, I swear it's like the Flyers or whatever. He's like, mm-hmm. he'll be able to tell you like that three people had a conversation the other day. He's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I know for a fact that their secondary scout and their European scout hate their freaking North American <laughs> scout. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Flyers are going to hire John Tortorella. How beautiful is it? Oh, God. It's too nice to be relieved. Taking the wrong path, Chucky. Wrong path. <laughs> um, oh. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else. I don't know what else there is. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that the Blues woke up <laughs> at least a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Let's take a place to end it. There's not a lot of other hockey news. Um, we we signed Vadim Jurenko. Um, that's cool. I mean, I, I honestly genuinely think he's had a really intriguing Russian junior career, incredible stats, and now he's in Liga um at age, I guess, twenty. So as and that's a, a as a late, late seventh round pick, I mean that's that's promising, you know. And there's a guy that you're going to hear mention every so often on the Prospect Pyramid and be like, Zerzerzerzerzerinko? Who the fuck's that? And then in five years, he's going to run us to the Stanley Cup and we're all going to be like, yeah, we all believed in Vadim. Zerzerzerzerinko doesn't quite work as well, but, you know, we'll make it work. Oh, Vadim. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like the Blues, the Blues goaltending pipeline is in a really good spot. You got Hofer, 
you've got Colton Ellis behind him. You've got Chirinko now. Um, I feel like there's another one I'm forgetting, but yeah, I mean, I think it's in a, in a pretty solid spot. As we've learned, you only need one. You only need mm-hmm. one at the right time. <laughs> Jordan Bennington, now the winningest goalie in Blues franchise <laughs> playoff history. Um, as we all predicted. As we all want. Back on the 2017 debut prospect pyramid, we all called that. We said by 2022, Jordan Bennington, winningest postseason goaltender and Stanley Cup winner. <laughs> That's right. what we all said. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. It's good. Now we got to now we got to crap our pants Friday night. So it's fun. It's fun. That's it's right. Fun. It's, fun. it's fun. Um, last question: Do you think the Oilers close the series next game? They're in Calgary. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. Uh, nah, I don't think so. If they yeah. do, I if they do, I mean, I already think they're kind of for real. But that feels like real for real. That you like beat Calgary in five games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be interesting. I've Edmonton if you get to the third round. I mean, obviously we talked about authority, but like just in general, like um, that's a team that probably has a very weak, has had a very weak um, mindset or just like, you know, we're only I, Connor McDavid. He's the only dude that scores. We, you know, we can't get through the playoffs. Like, I don't know. You got to feel as a player, like you kind of know you suck. But like, uh-huh. if you get to that level, I mean, you got to feel like, man, if we're this far, this is our opportunity. Like that dude's dragging us into the fight. You probably like trying that much harder if you're freaking Zach yeah. Cassian or feel, Archibald or. Whatever. I feel very torn about them because, like, on the one hand, yes, everything you just said, hundred percent true. On the other hand, like they eked, barely snuck past the Kings. True. And then, um, and then, like. The series has been fun, but it's been so sloppy and bad. And the Flames have looked awful all postseason. And I do think there's another way where it's like, oh, the Oilers met uh, their first real test in the third round and they crumpled. And they just, <laughs> they just fell apart. You know, like I could see that happen. As long as Mike Smith's your goalie, you always have the option to crumble. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You sure about that? You sure about that's not why? Uh, so on that note, uh, I uh, will return home from Dalton in the morning, and I'll be in St. Louis midday, and, and maybe we'll watch the game Friday night, or maybe we'll watch game seven Sunday night. Who knows? Oh, of um, But uh, we will see each other soon in person. I mean, the podcast will still be a podcast you won't join us in person unless you want to pay what's a reasonable price thirty thousand dollars if you pay thirty thousand dollars you can sit with ian and i in his living room and by his living room we mean a rented space at the hampton inn in in uh de pair because we're not letting you into one of our houses because you're a cat and you know it just doesn't make sense Hampton Inn and Depair does lock out. So that's right. We've checked. Um, so uh, yeah, it's an incredible comeback for the Blues. Anything can happen from here, and uh, we just got to see what happens. I suppose. Good night, everyone. See you. And so I